0: Hello, 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 and welcome back to another episode, the first official episode of the Hansy Bish podcast with me, Leanne Adu. Last week was a pilot episode and I had such amazing feedback and uh, a huge amount of people telling me to keep on recording. So here we are with my first official episode, although I don't know how I'm going to label this episode one, episode two. I don't know. Um, Let's just see what happens when it comes out. Hope everyone's had an awesome week. I know that you can't um, give me live feedback, but do let me know how you're doing. Do let me know how you're feeling and how things are because interaction is cool. Uh, So last week I spoke about how I was diagnosed um, with my triple negative breast cancer. It was a really, really long few weeks at the end of the year last year through October through to December. And then at the end of December, I started my treatment. So this week, I thought I'd talk a little bit about my chemo schedule um, and how that's affected me. But also this week, I had to have a blood transfusion. (laughs) It was quite interesting um, because my phone rang on... Well, going back to the beginning, before I have chemotherapy every single time, I have to have my blood taken. They'll do a full blood count and they'll let me know um, if my hemoglobin levels okay if my white white blood count is okay my red blood count is okay things like that and so far throughout all of the 14 16 weeks I've been having chemotherapy I've not had any issues I've actually felt really lucky um, that I've not had levels that have dropped too far but this time I got home on Tuesday and I was at home working in the afternoon and my phone rings and every time it's the hospital it's the same number I recognize it and I'm like great here we go another appointment cancer is a full-time job my loves it is a full-time job so the phone rings and the gentleman very kindly tells me that he's booking me in for my blood transfusion and I said um Blood transfusion? He said, Oh, has nobody phoned you? I said, No, no. He said, Okay, well I need to book you in for Friday. And I I said last week as well, like I've not really questioned anything about it. I just keep going with the flow because I'm very trusting of these doctors and what they're doing, probably a bit more than I need to be. Um But I just thought, okay, if if he's phoning me and telling me I need to do this, I'll I'll call my my clinical nurse specialist in a minute but let's get me booked in so he said yeah can you come in on Friday at 9 30. i was like, fine not a problem I will cancel everything of course because it's cancer and if you don't counts, cancel everything then the cancer's gonna get you which is not what we want so he booked me in for 9 30 he told me it was going to be a very long day I didn't ask any questions I was just a bit Done, perhaps, and a bit annoyed that nobody had phoned me to tell me what was going on. So um I called my 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 clinical specialist nurse. I've got a special number where I can call and ask any questions at almost any time. And somebody phoned me back and she said, Oh yeah, your levels are quite low, so we're gonna give you a transfusion. And I said, What levels? And she said, Your blood levels and I was like, Oh, okay then. I still don't really know what that means. She says, Nothing to worry about, it's all fine but you need to get the levels up again. I was like, okay, thanks, bye. And that was the end of that. So I got to chemo on Wednesday and there was a debate on whether or not chemo could go ahead because my levels were very, very low. Um, she still didn't tell me what they were. This is really, I need to ask more questions. I absolutely need to ask more questions. I have no idea what my levels were on Tuesday, but on Wednesday, sorry. But the question was, could chemo go ahead? Um, The answer was yes, because I was having this blood transfusion on Friday. So I settled down for chemo and I'm going to skip back a little bit now and talk about what my chemo regime has been. Essentially, um, for the first 12 weeks of my treatment, I had a a chemotherapy drug called Paxlitaxel and Carboplatin. And it's two drugs that they give you, two infusions, they take about an hour each infusion Um, I have a PIC line in my arm where the drug gets fed into the poison, it is poison there's no escaping the fact that four months ago three months ago, four months ago I was much healthier than I am now when I didn't know I had cancer and these drugs make me really sick And that's quite tough. That is quite tough. It's a three-week cycle with Pax and Carb, as we're going to call it. We're going to call it Pax and Carb. It's a three-week cycle. Week one, it's both drugs. So first of all, they give you the Paxlitaxel, then they give you the Carboplatin. Before they start treatment, they have to give you anti-sickness meds. They have to give me anti-sickness meds. This includes steroids, Um This includes Pyroton to stop any kind of allergic reaction and anti-nausea meds to stop me throwing up all over the place, all over the gaff. They generally work quite well. They generally work quite well. The steroids make you a bit buzzy. Then you have to wait 45 minutes for them to kind of kick in and get into the system. And if all's going well, if your ob's are right, if your blood pressure's fine, then they start pumping pumping the poison, pumping the poison um you just have to sit there really books snacks there's a wonderful lady who comes around and brings sandwiches if you're there in the morning she won't give you a sandwich but if you're not going to be there at lunchtime then she'll give you a sandwich she's very nice the nurses come around and they talk to you there's not much interaction at the moment due to covid which makes it um quite a lonely experience you can't take anyone with you unless you have a real real need you know if you're very elderly if you're slightly incapacitated then then you might be able to take someone but if you if you don't have that if you don't have that need then you can't bring anyone and I think for most of the weeks I've been having chemo I haven't really spoken to another person other than the nurses who they're looking after me which makes it quite tough So you kind of sit there, I normally get there around 9.30, I always bring my nurses chocolate fingers because they're amazing, they do such a wonderful, wonderful job. I think it's really important that they understand how special they are every single week. I probably shouldn't bring them chocolate, chocolate fingers but I do, maybe I'll bring them strawberries another time. And so you're sitting there and you're masked up the whole time because pandemic just makes it quite claustrophobic the seats are amazing let me tell you the seats the seats recline the back reclines the feet come up they're heated the seats are heated my bum is warm and it's got three settings low medium and high and guess where I am I'm on the high setting because if my body ain't warm I don't want to know So, very comfortable. They'll bring me a blanket as well. If I need a blanket, they'll bring me a blanket. They do anything that they can to make you as comfy as possible. It's wonderful. I really, really enjoy that aspect of just being able to kind of go there and sit. And rest is something that I'm not very good at getting. So, this enforced rest of chemo is wonderful. Quite often, I will just sleep through a session. There's no point sitting on my phone the whole time. It's just going to tire my eyes out. I find it quite overwhelming. I'm not doing any work because I'm so buzzy from the steroids, yet so sleepy from the Pyroton that there's no point working. So I just shut my eyes and, and try and go to sleep for most of it and try not to snore. After the chemo is done, you just head home. At first I was like, "Can I can I go home on my own? Do I need someone to take me? Yeah, I just jump on the train. Always stop off and get myself some lunch. And then I just go home and try and relax for the rest of the day. I'm usually home around lunchtime. It's usually the next day that the side effects start to kick in with Pax and Carb. So for the next three days, I have to take steroids in the morning and just take my anti-sickness meds religiously. For the first six weeks of my chemotherapy, I actually thought I got off quite lightly. I did feel a bit sick. My hair fell out. My hair fell out quite quickly after two or three weeks and I ended up shaving it as soon as it started coming out in handfuls oh painful they never tell you how painful it is when your hair is falling out due to chemo it's like your scalp is on fire it's awful um so I shaved it I made a right mess of it Chris had to shave the rest it was uh it was a journey it was a journey but I have to take my anti-sickness meds religiously and the first six weeks I actually was all right but then I think around six weeks in we're probably looking at about mid-February, I had my COVID vaccine and I think that week I was really, really run down. And from that moment onwards, my nausea has been off the scale, foul. So they bumped me up to a different anti-sickness, which um, is meant to last over, well, first of all, they bumped me up to a different anti-sickness that's a bit stronger, that didn't work. Then they added one, which is meant to last five days. And it kind of does the trick, But there's always this current of, oh my God, I'm going to be sick constantly. Oh my God, I'm going to be sick constantly. My taste buds are gone. I can't taste anything. I'm not selling this. By the way, don't get cancer. It's not fun. So I have had 12 weeks of Pax and Carb. Um, Six of those, I thought I got away with it quite easily. Just a bit hair loss, just very tired, fatigued. Chemo brain where I can't remember words. I can't remember what I'm talking about. I don't know the word for staircase you know it's like what What's that word again what's that word again just loss of focus that's without the emotional upheaval of it all some days there were days where I just really felt like I couldn't get out of bed in the morning just completely and utterly fatigued and I'd go through this cycle so the first three days because I'm on the steroids I'm quite up I'm quite buzzy it pushes me through I'm able to work I'm able to kind of get on with things and then we'd hit the weekend where I could then let my body recover a little bit but come Monday Tuesday when the steroids are out of my system it's almost like a withdrawal so I'd get these awful headaches and then by Tuesday I'd just be an emotional wreck I'd just be miserable I wouldn't want to talk to anybody I would cry I would feel really really down and depressed and sad and then Wednesday would come and we'd start it all again and that's what I did for 12 weeks Then we moved on to EC, which I started uh, two, two weeks ago now. So I've just had my second session and EC, we have fortnightly. So I have, I have the chemo on a Wednesday. Then I have two weeks off and then I go again. And I was worried about this because I thought it's, you know, the reason they, they get this two week break is because my body needs to break from it. My body needs to break and they call it the red devil, and I was not looking forward to that at all you know when they give it a name like that makes my P red it's awesome during the first session oh my god it hit me straight away the nausea hit me straight away I spent the whole time just trying not to vomit and how they infuse EC is because it's quite strong I guess it has to be pushed through a syringe into my pick line, it's not a drip like the packs and the carb was, so this poor nurse has to sit there for an hour or whatever, pushing these five syringes of this red toxic chemotherapy, it is red, it is toxic, she can't touch it, she has to wear gloves, she has to handle it very carefully, I say she, because I've not had any male chemo nurses yet, so, and also then they have to like talk to me for an hour, they don't have to, but it's a bit awkward someone just like, hiya, I'm just here, oh I forgot, <laughs> every time you go into one of these places they ask you, are you allergic to everything, and in my ultimate wisdom, a few weeks ago, they're like, are you allergic to anything, I was like, cancer, <laughs> and you know when you say something, can you really, really cringe at yourself, that's, um, that is how, that's how I feel about that, allergic to cancer guys of course I am so the EC sessions are quite I'm finding them a lot more taxing because I can't just go to sleep through them anymore I feel it's quite rude to just go to sleep while someone's injecting me with life-saving poison is that an oxymoron life-saving poison I reckon so but once it's done it's done um once the red is in then they can put through another syringe which does go through the drip of the sea of EC And then I'm done and I go home. And after the first week, after my first cycle of EC, it hit me like a ton of bricks. By the time I got home, I was just feeling completely wiped out. I've got a photo on my phone where my face is puffy and red. I look awful. Next day, after my first session of EC, I had to take, I couldn't work, I couldn't do anything. All I could do was sleep, I could barely get out of bed. And I just thought, I can't handle this. I'm really tired. I'm really tired of the chemo and in some ways starting EC felt a bit like well at least I'm reaching the end because it's less sessions it's four cycles over eight weeks rather than all of the 12 weeks I had of the Pax and carb so it felt like right we're getting to the end now but when it really hit me that I've got to do this three more times I felt a bit devastated, to be honest. And then there's the injections. I'm really not selling this at all. The EC can really, really strip down your immunity, can really strip your immune system. have to take injections from day three, so from the Friday, for the next eight days. And that is to keep up my white blood count, to stop me from getting infections. So I kind of assumed, we're getting back into like why I had the transfusion now, So I kind of assumed, right, these injections are going to stop me from getting infections. I'll be fine. But one of the side effects that I found I really had was headaches, breathlessness. I could barely walk up the stairs without being out of breath. My head was pounding constantly. It had whooshing in my ears. Just pale. I was like, God, what is wrong with me? Oh, yeah, I'm having chemo, of course. And this is the annoying thing, right? Because all of these symptoms, they come along and... I did end up phoning my acute oncology team, which is like the emergency number. About ten days after my first EC chemo session, because I just felt so rough, and the guy was lovely. But he said, "But this is how it's meant to be, you know. This is this is what you feel like during chemo." I was like, "Okay, great." Turns out that my hemoglobin levels were seventy-two. The normal range, I believe, is one hundred and twenty to one hundred and sixty. So I was falling quite far below that and I think that's why I was feeling so, so bad. Oh my God, it was awful. So when I've gone in this Friday for my blood transfusion, many, many terrible jokes flying through my head about becoming a vampire. Where are my fangs? Still not here, gutted. But I didn't really know what to expect because I didn't understand that the symptoms that I were feeling were not necessarily due to the chemo, but due to the fact that my haemoglobin levels were so so low and even before the end of the session the nurse was telling me that the colour had come back to my cheeks and I was feeling just rejuvenated I can fully understand why someone would want to be a vampire because if that's what getting fresh blood does to you give it to me all day every day all day every day I've got energy I have got energy. Do you know what? I've been waking up at six o'clock most days since I've had that. That was on Friday. It's Sunday now. Okay, so like twice. But waking up without my head banging. Waking up without feeling like all I can do is go back to sleep again. I actually took Tiana out to the park this morning at nine o'clock. Well, half nine. We went to the park. Do you know how long it's been since I've taken my daughter to the park? Because I've just not had the energy to chase after her. I cooked dinner. I cooked Dinner. It's been weeks since I cooked dinner. I cleaned, I tidied up my bedroom, I tidied up her bedroom, the kitchen. I had energy. I feel like that blood transfusion was life saving, in all honesty. It took eight hours, but I feel like it saved my life. I feel like I was at the end of my tether with this chemotherapy. And now I've got. The strength to to push on to the next the next two sessions. So we're two sessions of EC down, and there's two more to go. And I feel like I can do it. Oh, there's tears coming out my eyes right now. I just didn't know how tired I was until until they've made me not so tired. Wasn't expecting that. Sorry. No, but on a real though when am I going to get my fangs? And if you see me walking down the street and I happen to have some blood dribbling down my chin, um, just walk on by, don't question it, don't question it. But it has made me question um, resting and what rest looks like, especially because when I last saw my consultant a couple of weeks ago and she was telling me to sleep for three days and my intentions after this week's Chemo was to go to sleep for as long as possible. And I did. I got home on the Wednesday after chemo and I slept. I slept all afternoon, all night. And it did me such, such good that that's definitely the way forward, I think, after each session. But rest on the weekend, rest when I'm not working early nights, it's hard. I've always been on the go, I've always been a runner, I've always been active with Tiana. I'm always here, there and everywhere and stopping is is really, really difficult for me. I don't want to feel like I'm letting people down. I don't want to feel like I'm letting myself down. I worked so hard to try and stay strong and fit and healthy. So even though I know I should be resting between chemo sessions, I'm I'm yet to find that balance that makes me not feel lazy. I don't want to look outwardly lazy, right? I don't want to look like someone who's just not doing anything. So I think when I had this resurgence of energy this weekend, I went down the road, forgetting that walking up the hill to my house kills my hips these days. (laughs) And then I'm now here feeling pretty tired again. The other bit of news that I had this week, and I mentioned it last week, is that I had to have genetic tests as part of my treatment. Well, not as part of my treatment. Essentially, triple negative breast cancer can be caused by genetic factors. Um, The BRCA gene, the Barack Obama gene, as I call it, is a gene mutation, which means that people with this gene are more likely to have the cancers, triple negative breast cancer, Uh, ovarian cancer, lots of other cancers. So I had genetic testing to see if, if I had that gene, if that's what caused my cancer. And you go through a whole process, they'll take your blood, you have a call where they'll talk about what the genetics mean, what the chances are, what that could mean for your treatment. And because I was having this genetic testing, which you don't have to have, it's completely optional, but because I was having this genetic testing, I don't know yet what my surgery options were likely to be. If the genetics came back clear, then then hopefully it would just be a lumpectomy or, at most, a mastectomy on one side. If the genetics came back and it turned out I did have this gene, then I would probably be looking at a double mastectomy and um, potentially hysterectomy and things like that. One of the things that I was quite clear on when I was diagnosed is that, like, we already knew that we weren't going to have any more kids, so I haven't done anything to preserve my fertility. And I felt very strong and very clear that if the genetics came back saying I did have these genes, then they could take everything. They could take my ovaries, my womb, they could take my breasts, because ultimately... What I want to do is live a long and healthy life. What I want to do is see my daughter grow up. What I want to do is live with my husband forever and be happy and as healthy as I can. So I was very clear on all the calls that I had that if I had this gene, then that's absolutely fine. We would do what we needed to do to, to prolong my health. I had the call this week and I don't have, I don't have the mutated genes. And I just cried my whole entire life out. The the chances of me having it were quite low. You know, there's not the family history there. But you just never know. And the fact that they do offer this test because triple negative breast cancer means that they don't really know where it's come from. You can't really say it's your hormones that have caused it. It's, It's some kind of something's gone wrong. But the fact that I don't have this gene was just such a weight off my mind. Even though I was so clear that I would do what I needed to do if I did have it. The fact that I don't and the fact that I don't have to worry about Tiana having it. Or my family having it. It was just a huge, huge weight off. And I found Chris and I just sobbed. I was so happy. So happy. I've really cried today. There's a lot of tears. Woo such a loser oh my goodness my goodness because what would that mean what would that mean for my daughter if I had that gene and I'd passed it on to her and there's nothing you can do about it I look back and I think to myself if I had known if I had the gene and I had known that I had the gene would I have had a child Could I pass that burden on to them? I don't know. That's a really heavy question. So I've got two more sessions of EC left. And when I finished my um, infusion, my transfusion, the nurse was very much like, see you soon. Wait, take us long next time. (laughs) I'm going to be back again. And so I'm guessing the general consensus is if, is if, EC has kind of stripped my blood levels that much Um, I'm going to be back for another transfusion in the next few weeks not really sure how I feel about that to be honest I'm really grateful like you know I'm grateful that I've got this energy and that I'm here and feeling so good but it's a lot it's just another layer of of things to do and things to schedule in and balance the balancing act of it all um, but we do what we need to do, right? We do what we need to do. And with the balancing of it all is how how I feel about work, I suppose. I feel like I've managed the balance between cancer and work quite well. I started my business back in 2018 after I had Tiana and I realized that toxic office environments were not the spaces that I wanted to be anymore. And equally, I didn't want to be away from my child five days a week. I didn't want to be travelling into London, not being able to be near her um, if she needed me and worried about kind of everything. I I struggled quite. I struggled with postnatal depression after Tiana was born. I struggled with a traumatic birth. And the idea of going back to work just, just left me feeling quite. Um, miserable so I took an office job which was fairly basic to me part-time three days a week and then I built my business on the side so I've been working really hard since 2018 to build this business and finally finally at the end of 2019 well middle of 2019 I was at a place where I was like right am I going to quit my job now am I going to do this or am I going to pretend to do this And I think with most things in life, I kind of go, right, let's do it. So I ran a marathon once because it was like, am I going to do this or am I not going to do this? So I did it. I started a business and then quit my job because am I going to do this or am I going to do this? I did it. So I like to think that I'm quite, I like to challenge myself. I like to set a little goal and go out there and smash it. So I quit my job at the end of 20, at the middle of 2019 And after a three-month notice period, I kind of was on my own, running a business. It was awesome. And then the pandemic hit. Jesus, that was scary. And when you work for yourself, they always talk about this dead period over Christmas where nothing really happens. You don't make any money, I guess, unless you're in a seasonal job. And Christmas 2019 came, and I think I invoiced about 400 quid. And I was trying not to panic, like, oh, my God made any money I've not made any money I've not made any money and then we got into January and this thing called Covid was coming (laughs) I was like flip I'm gonna have to go back to work I'm gonna have to get another job and something strange happened my business pivoted in 2020 maybe it was something about the people that I was working with transitioning into more online work maybe it was the idea that along with all the sorrow and heart-wrenching, hard work, businesses going down the drain, people dying, there was almost this, this need to thrive and survive. And because of that, it meant that people were looking for my services as a VA. And so by the time the summer came, I was fully booked and had to take on help. Then we got to October and I was almost feeling burnt out. And then I found the lump. And one of the scariest things about having cancer is how can I run a business when all I need to do at the moment is try and live? You can't just, you just can't stop. You can't just stop. I can't just stop working because I've got to pay bills and I've got a family to look after. And I love working. And when I was going mad when they were testing, when I was going through all the, all the tests for the cancer, I'm so lucky that so many of my clients I consider friends. And there's, you know, in particular, there would be Sancia, who I think one day I really broke down to. I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed on the phone. And Sally as well. All I could do was cry. I don't know how how I managed to keep working When I literally felt like I was dying inside because I knew that I had cancer and I was just waiting for them to tell me, but I didn't know how bad it was going to be. I was so fearful for my business that I'd built up in kind of quite a small amount of time 2018, 2020, you know, 18 months I'd built up this business and it just felt like it was all going to go. It felt like everything was crumbling. And maybe that's why I find it so hard to rest because for those couple of months as I was going through the testing and trying to understand what was happening to my body and trying to figure out what next all I could think about was all these plans that I had the plans that I had to build the plans that I had to take on staff to grow, to build an agency they all kind of like disappeared how can I plan anything When I don't know if I'm going to live. And I know the doctors have talked about it's going to be, you know, they're they're looking to cure me. But you don't know that. Anything can happen. I suppose anything can happen in life anyway. But luckily, I have help in the form of my trusty PA, Lucy, who's amazing. If I need time off, then I just need to tell my clients I need time off. And for any of you listening, I know I need to be better at that. I'm working really, really hard to kind of understand where my priorities lay when it comes to the business and my health. I take off every Wednesday, which is great, but should I be taking more time off? I don't know. Uh, Do people stop working when they have cancer? I actually don't know. I haven't asked the question. If you have cancer, did you stop working? how did you manage it? I'm finding my way. I'm still finding my way each and every time I think about it. But all I know in my head is I've got to keep going. The one thing that kept me sane when I was going through the testing was being able to work. Even though I spent a lot of time crying, screaming, wailing, being able to separate what was going on with my health and work really, really helped me. Even on the days where I'm feeling really, really crap. Being able to pick up that laptop and help somebody else. Even if it's on a superficial level, even if it's just doing some emails, makes such a difference to my life. But I think I don't make it easy on myself. I definitely don't make it easy on myself to do all this stuff. Something for me to think about. What else has been going on this week? So... (laughs) I don't take part in Instagram challenges I don't do it I don't do the tag tag a person or you know um share this story and blah blah, blah. and I, I got caught up in an Instagram challenge this weekend and it was um react to this story with a fire emoji and I'll choose your my favorite picture of you on your grid um and I'll share it and honestly, about 100 people sent me fire emojis. didn't realise that many people looked at my stories. It has taken me almost two days to get through these fire emojis. But it's been such an awesome, awesome thing to do. Just because I know so many beautiful people. I know so many beautiful and amazing women and men. And at first I was a bit like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get through all these? But looking at all these beautiful faces has been fantastic. I've actually really, really enjoyed it. I've really, really enjoyed it. So thank you to uh, the person who put me onto that challenge because it's brilliant. It's taken me all weekend. There's still fire emojis sitting in my inbox. I will get round to them. So if you randomly get tagged in me posting a picture of you, that is why. And then I guess lastly... My my toddler has become a toddler. Anyone who knows Tiana knows how laid back and chilled she is. How very good she is. Uh, She's intelligent. She's funny. She laughs. And now she's started to become very, very cheeky. And I don't know how to deal with it. Because my laid back little baby who listens to everything that I say all the time. Now does not. Example. Tiana, it's time time to tidy up your bedroom this weekend. Train tracks everywhere. Trains everywhere, cars everywhere. Okay, mummy. So I'm tidying up my room. She's tidying up her room. I go in. She's under the mattress. Tiana, why are you under the mattress? I don't know, (laughs) mummy. To be honest, my patience was wearing quite thin by this point. It had been about two hours. All she had to do was put the train tracks in the box and put the cars in the bag. And she just wasn't doing it. I don't know how we got to this point. She doesn't respect me. She doesn't respect me. That's probably not true. She absolutely does. And she is honestly good as gold, but she's just not listening. <laughs> I don't know what to do. Somebody, some parent, an expert, please tell me what do I do with my child who doesn't listen? Apart from the fact that she does listen. And she started doing this really, I'm going to call it annoying, this really annoying thing where if I say, oh, Tiana, can you come and do this, please? Mm-mm, mm-mm. and I just really want to throw her out the window, am I allowed to say that, are we allowed to throw our kids out the window, are we allowed to want to throw our kids out the window, mummy, I don't even know where she's picked it up from, but I've already had enough, it's been about a week of it, and I'm, I'm over it, Um, but with that came the moment yesterday where she said, I just want to touch your face, and then sat with her hand on my face for 10 minutes, stroking it. So it's not all terrible. And we don't have tantrums, you know. I can be grateful for the fact that she doesn't have temper tantrums, ever. I can count one time she's had a temper tantrum. I'm pretty sure that they're soon to follow. So she is pretty amazing, but she's not listening. And I'm tired, and I don't know what to do with a three-year-old that doesn't listen because my, my three-year-old's listened up until this week. Do good listening, Tiana. Mm-mm, mummy. Okay, well, what do you want me to do then? I don't know. I feel like that's me for this week, potentially. I've now moved my host in over to ACAST, who have been fantastic and looking after me. You can listen to the podcast on... Apple podcast you can listen to podcasts on Spotify you can listen to it wherever you listen to your podcasts I'm going to try and record weekly see if I've got enough to say and I feel like I've got the tech sorted out so in the next couple of weeks we're going to have some some guests on to come and talk about a few things I really want to talk about how I'm going to get my health back after all of this last year 2020 during pandemic I lost about two and a half stone In the four months I've had cancer, that I've known I've had cancer, I've put it all back on again. I am a blimpy chimpy, mate. A blimpy chimpy. That can't last. I know it's the steroids. I know it's water retention. But some of it is Cadbury's cream eggs. And a lot of it is definitely takeaway. Nobody please talk about how my eating is feeding my cancer. I don't care. I'm going to say that every single time. Because one time, somebody told me that, eating bad food gave me cancer. It didn't. Don't tell people that eating bad gives them cancer when they've got cancer. I also blocked someone for telling me that the COVID vaccine would give me cancer. I've already got it. Both of them i have got the COVID vaccine and I've got the cancer. So where are we going? Anyway, I'm on a tangent. I want to say thank you again for listening in. Thank you for being part of this journey. All feedback is welcome. Uh, I don't know how this is going to sound because I'm recording on a new mic and I feel like I probably should have just sat on my bed and did it into my headphones again but we shall see we shall see I'll catch you very very soon my loves you're all so so awesome thank you thank you thank you oh and I feel like I have to do that for you if you like this podcast please rate subscribe and review thank you